and welcome, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever it may be. It's the Gil Cameron Show, episode 29, getting in right in the last minutes of Christmas edition. In fact, it'll probably be after Christmas by the time I actually get this up, but that's neither here nor there. So, went through the whole Christmas thing, right, and did all that, and it was interesting and kind of weird this year, partially because the weather is so weird, because it's so warm and not Christmassy around here. Um, and I had this job interview in Italy, and I was waiting to hear back, and I haven't heard back yet, and I'm still hoping to hear back. He said that he would get back to me by Thursday. That didn't happen. I'm thinking that when he said that, he didn't realize that Thursday was Christmas Eve, and so maybe Monday I will hear something. Um, Either way, I had a job interview. I thought it went very well. I'm pretty sure it went very well, but I am lacking a little experience in that area. So it's entirely possible that I won't get the job. That's okay. Uh, you know, there, there are many jobs out there and it doesn't necessarily have to be this one, but, um, you know, I would like this one. It's in the area I want to be in physically. It is doing what I want to do, and I think it would be good. But that's neither here nor there right now. We're going to figure out as we go what's going to happen, and that'll be that. It's fine. Uh, so I have seven days left of the holiday streaking challenge. I ran just one mile today. I was My watch actually told me I should take 31 hours yesterday after my run before I ran again. I didn't because I had Christmas obligations. I had to go up to my father's house and do that sort of stuff. And, you know, so I only ran a mile today. I ran it pretty quickly, seven and a half minutes, which for me is pretty quickly. For a lot of people, it's not very quickly. And for other people, it's seriously quickly. Um, in fact, Will Wheaton, which some of you may know from Star Trek The Next Generation or um, Stand By Me, um, or the Big Bang Theory, as it were. Um, he posts about stuff, and he's like doing a couch to 5K program, and he was saying he did two miles in 24 minutes today. And I reminded him, I don't know if he actually reads his feet or not, but I reminded him that two miles at 24 minutes is the same distance as doing two miles at 12 minutes. You still went two miles. And that's something everyone that runs should always keep in mind, no matter how fast you've gone or how slow you've gone, you've covered however much distance you've covered. And that's the important part. Not everyone is a, you know, five minute miler. Not everyone is a six minute or seven minute or eight minute miler. Different people are going to run different times and how, you know, dedicated you are or how much time you can put in. Because, I mean, like, Will Wheaton's an actor, right? I'm a guy who does odd jobs <laughs> throughout life who thinks he's finally found out what it is he's supposed to do. Maybe I took longer than others, or maybe others just accept life as it comes and I'm more not so prone to settle, maybe. I'm, I'm more particular, I'm more demanding, possibly. I'm certainly more difficult to deal with than most other human beings um, that I've witnessed in life. So I, 
probably think that there's a fair amount of, of, of uh, truth to the idea that I'm probably a bit more demanding than most people as far as uh, what's happening in my life. Um, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that that's just the way that it is, okay? I'm not passing any judgments on anyone who's like, you know, they get out of high school and they're like, I know this is what I want to do, and they go and they do it, and they do it their entire lives, and they're, you know, happy. Um, certainly, they're probably a lot happier than I am most of the time. Um, you know, I, I've, I've always had a very particular worldview, and I don't try and enforce it on, on others, but I expect my life to um, fit as best as possible into it. Um, that might not be the best way to go about things all the time, but it's how it makes me comfortable. Right? It's how I find comfort. And that comfort, I suppose, is where I find my happiness. You know, your results may vary. That's the way life goes, right? Results may vary. Um, so, you know, but I'm just sitting there and, you know, just kind of processing through everything. And because this is a really big life change. I mean, if I get this job, I'm moving to Italy within a couple of weeks. So it's a very big life change. It's very sudden. And I need to figure out a whole bunch of stuff in a very short amount of time. But I'm pretty sure that that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. Um, I'm sure enough that I, without hesitation, would pick up and move if I got, you know, the message tomorrow or whatever. Hey, I, you need to be here to start your job, you know, January 7th. I would have no problem doing it. It's just a tall order and there's a lot to think about, a lot to process. Uh, just as a matter of, you know, course for events in my life and also on a more metaphysical level of, you know, this is a very big change uh, career-wise. And as I said, I think I finally figured out what it is that I want to do as far as um, a contribution to other human beings. Um, you know, because I know what makes me happy and I know what how to do the things that I want to do to make me happy. But you know, on a personal level, but on a professional level or a, a societal level of how I can best make other, you know, people happy and not just people I care about, because that's easy too, in general, but society on a whole. Believe it or not, I find that important. Most people would say, why? Why Why bother? You know, it, um, but, you know, once again, if I truly believe that we are all one, part of a collective consciousness, and, you know, literally, I that makes me an idealist in the true sense of the word, not in some quixotic way, but it, um, certainly there's a certain amount of Man of La Mancha in me, but in a very concrete, scientific way, in that uh, 
understanding of the word idealism, um, I very much am one. Uh, I was actually, very oddly enough, one of my friends just posted a video about the quantum proof of idealism, or I should say not the proof of idealism, but the the quantum proof that materialism, realism, is actually not the way the world works. There's no physical reality beyond the observation of the consciousness. Not observation of the individual. Our individual observations, while they will determine how a wavelength takes shape, we have no control over it, right? I can't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to view this mat, I'm going to view this wavelength now and make it do this. I can't control it. I can't control if it's going to act like a wave or a particle. All I can do is observe it and let it take whatever state it's going to take. However the observation takes shape, that's how the observation takes shape. I don't get to control it. But collective consciousness determines reality. Those collective observations determine what reality is. There is no objective reality beyond what is observed. That is to say, it's all just a wavelength on a quantum level until some force observes it. Um, so, you know, if we're all just part of one collective consciousness, obviously I need to do something to contribute to that. Apart from just being someone who sits there and, you know, observes things and causes things in that way to end up taking shape. However, my observations uh, end up affecting that. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's not all on a quantum level. They've actually expanded out into a visible level these quantum effects on a macro level. So, um, you know, they've gotten to things that are visible, but not all the way out, obviously. But certainly, um, you know, the electron experiment, the electron beam experiment, where you would expect that, uh, you know, the electrons shot through a slit would act like particles and then it turns out it's actually acting like a wave and then if you observe it it does act like a particle but if you just you know back off and just let the electrons fly they end up making wave pattern that's how they originally proved that quantum mechanics and and all that stuff actually exists even though einstein and others were saying no 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 this can't be because it doesn't make any sense. And then they, then, you know, uh, Einstein's spooky action at a distance, which he was actually saying spooch, spooky action at a distance. He was saying that like pejoratively. He was saying, you know, Ooh, it would be spooky action. And it makes no sense, uh, in a realist interpretation of the universe and, and in physics, yes, it makes no sense. Um, but in an idealist interpretation, it does make sense. And then what, was it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, somebody actually did prove that spooky at action at a distance, you entangle two quantum particles and then separate them and you can act on one and seemingly define the laws of, of relativity 
and going faster than the speed of light, the other uh, entangled particle does end up acting in the same manner when you react. You know, when you act on one, it causes the other one to have the same action. So, um, all those things keep getting proven to be true, which keeps telling us that observation is the key to reality, that reality doesn't exist. I'm getting way deep here. Uh, that reality doesn't exist without something observing it. But once again, you observing it or I observing it, we don't have any power to determine the observations. You know, I'm not going to say, I'm going to observe this and it's going to be like this. And then it happens. We don't get to do that. We just observe it and it takes shape. So it's going to take whatever shape it wants because behind it all is a collective consciousness of everything that is observing itself. We just happen to be the conscious uh, entity recording it, as it were. Um, so we record these observations and, you know, basically report back on ourselves. So that's the way I see it. That's the way, in general, as a layman trying to explain it, I think would be the best way to put it, would be that we're, we're the recorders of everything observing, coalescing reality, and then we end up reporting it back. Um, I think that's probably the best way to do it, uh, the best way to explain it. So, in that we're all connected and all is one, and that there is no objective reality outside of observation, I feel like I should be a contributing uh, member of society, of, of human society in general, as a direct family, and um, Earth society on the whole as uh, the, the, the extended family, as it were. So I want to do the best that I can. I think that uh, helping people to communicate uh, across all these div divides that we've created uh, in our attempt to catalog reality um, is probably the best way for me to do it because I understand that our attempts to catalog reality uh, have started off very small when we didn't have a lot of understanding of reality so we broke things down in a way that was very, I mean, it served the purposes of the people that were making the categories very well. And it helped them expand their wealth and their resources. Um, but it did a great disservice overall to the reality that is. Um, because it was very petty and very small in and of itself in trying to, you know, uh, basically say, well, I deserve more than those people on the other side of the hill. Um, and breaking things down in that manner in order to, uh, you know, create division in order to 
explain away why I get to take this and they don't get to have it. So we created all these divisions and now it's important to get rid of them so people can start seeing that there's more out there in our jobs as human beings in the grand scheme of the universe as it were is more important than just dividing up shiny metals and um, you know land and uh, you know I've touched on this a lot over the time I've been doing this with you this idea that we're explorers that we're adventurers that we're supposed to be getting out there finding out what's out there and I truly do I believe that we are the conscious uh, extension of the universe and there may be others like us out there uh, but getting that detection is very difficult because there's a whole temporal aspect to the observations right so if I'm looking at a star 30 light years away well I'm looking at that star 30 years ago so let's say I were an observer 30 light years away from Earth and I'm looking back on the, on the Sun and I'm looking back on the Earth. I'm seeing the Earth as it was in 1985, right? If I'm 300 light years away, then I'm looking at the Earth as it was in 1715, right? You see where, where I'm getting at here. So if there's intelligent life 3,000 light years away and they're looking back on us right now, they're looking back on us and where are we, right? We're in, you know, 1000 BC, um, before the current era, BCE. Um, you could use the Christian version of it, BC, but, and it is Christmas, right? But, um, you know, the, the more accepted scientific uh, explanation or, you know, nomenclature is BCE. Um, so, but, so they're looking, you know, about 1000 BCE. And what are they seeing? They're seeing the birth of the Roman Republic, basically. Or not even, they're looking at the birth of the Roman Kingdom. What am I even thinking about? Um, yeah, right? So they're right around that time, like, you know, way far back in human history, which actually in human history, in the real sense of the term human history, actually isn't that far back. But in our uh, limited view of it, it is that far back, um, considering that most of us view human history in, you know, 70, 80 year segments. And for us, a hundred years is a really long time. 200 years is a significantly long time. But in evolutionary standards and geological standards, it's not all that long. I'm being really sciencey on Christmas and like, ah, anyway, my point is, is that it's very difficult to detect other intelligent life. I truly believe that we're not the only intelligent life in the universe. Uh, just statistically, it seems very improbable that we're it. But either way, 
we are part of the universe looking back on itself and recording it. I don't know what exactly we're recording it for, but we are recording it. So, clearly, I'm recording this right now, right? So, in a very macro sense, here I am. But also, just in our everyday lives, we catalog, we categorize, we record things, we pass that information along, and all things great and small, right? So, that's kind of, you know, where I'm at right now. And I really believe that, you know, we have to come together, we need to get not necessarily common language in the sense of actual language, like everybody speaking English. We need a common language in the way in which we talk about things. But getting people to a common physical language uh, in the beginning helps to start to breed understanding of a more metaphorical language, the way that we look at the world, like I've been talking about as I've realized that I need to look at all human beings as my brothers and sisters, that I need to look at animals as my biological and evolutionary cousins. Um, and, you know, that's where, where I've determined not to eat them anymore, right? So, um, you know, as I've, I've, as I've learned that language, okay, as I've started to look at the world that way, I have developed this sense, this, you know, and it's started to bring all these feelings that I used to have about how the universe was and how the universe worked, and it started to give me an overall language that I've been sharing with you about our place in the universe, what it is, what it means, and uh, a lot of that, you know, because I've been running and I have all this time, and I think, and I, you know, and I don't think this ha I think when you run, I think people tend to think more about things. I don't necessarily believe that everybody's mind goes the places that mine go, simply because I don't think everybody has the same base of um, learning, um, and the same base of thinking about things the way I was given through my grandfather and other people in my family who basically as I was growing up would instruct me more to examine the world and think about how everything comes together, right? So I was conditioned to already look at things that way and continue on and and through running it's given me this time to sit there and think more deeply about it and as I said as I've developed more of a language uh, um, based on uh, you know uh, everything else I have uh, come to more realizations and it's, it's actually broadened that language and broadened those ideas and made things um, come together more and a lot of things that I felt when I was younger that I maybe put to the back of my mind with this new context with this new language have come back out and have started making more sense in these contexts right of being the explorers being the adventurers being the recorders being the the journalists 
of what reality is, right? So, um, and I get like all the moral implications, but most of those resolve themselves once again when you start using that language of other human beings, all other human beings, even the really bad ones, even the ones that we all agree are just terrible. They are our brothers and sisters and we need to act accordingly, right? Um, and a lot of people have been challenging me on that recently. And it makes me think about it more. And people are like, but if somebody was going to kill you, wouldn't you want to defend yourself? And there's a part of me, obviously, that does want to defend me. I want to live, right? But I have to say, if it's a situation where somebody's just, you know, if someone's robbing me, I'm going to try and explain to them, look, you don't have to kill me. You can just take whatever you want, whatever. Right? You don't have to kill me. You don't have to beat me. I get that you're upset, life has treated you shitty, but this is just stuff. I'll be fine if you just let me live, right? Um, but if someone is conditioned to hate me, like, you know, governments and leaders and other people seeking power condition us to hate others, right? Uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury yesterday or maybe it was earlier today, said that ISIS, Daesh, they should be called Daesh. Oh, they want to cut my tongue out and kill me for that. Daesh. You foolish, foolish people. Um, and they are, they're just foolish, and I, I feel bad. I really do. Um, I would try and give one of them a hug before they cut my head off. Um, assuming they don't drug me, but I'm pretty sure that's what they do. They drug these people pretty heavily before they... Because I imagine most people would kind of go kicking and screaming into their death. Um, so I imagine they probably drug them pretty heavy. But um, I would like to think that uh, I would, you know, want to give these people a hug. Um, because I, I, I'm not going to hate them. They want me to hate them because that justifies what their leaders are telling them, just like our leaders, Archbishop of Canterbury, Daesh wants to kill us. They want to kill Christians. Well, they've killed more Muslims than anyone else, for one, because those Muslims aren't right Muslims like they are, right? Because their leaders tell them, oh, well, the West, they want to kill Islam. Oh, and also, these other uh, Muslims, they want to kill Islam, too. We're the only ones that follow the real Islam. Christianity went through this too, by the way. Um, in ways, it kind of still does, but um, it certainly has gone through this. There certainly have been plenty of wars documented between Protestants and Catholics and Orthodox. And well, Orthodox is still Catholic, but there's a there was a rift there, and there's a lot of lot of craziness, right? Um, so the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, the, over the centuries, there's been a lot invested in leaders and people seeking power, getting one side, their side, ostensibly, to believe that the other people want to kill them because of, you know, who they are, what they believe, and this, that, the other thing. And there's a fair amount of, you know, they hate us because we're better than them. And both sides do it. 
Well, here's the problem, right? On the surface, one we're always led to believe well, one side has to be right, but that's a false dichotomy. Um, no, there's nothing right about what Daesh is doing. Okay, but there's nothing really right about any of those other governments and what they're doing. Not that Daesh is really a government, but that's besides the point. Uh, because they're kind of artificial creations too of the breakup of the imperial imperial European powers after World War One and the Ottoman Empire after World War One, where uh, you know they forced these countries together out of different ethnicities and stuff that never really went together before the imperialists came in and said, okay, you're all going to be good. And that's all part of the problem there, right? So, like, everyone keeps killing the Kurds. The Kurds are the only ones going in and actually doing anything against Daesh. We all agree that we want to get rid of Daesh, but for some reason we only let the Peshmerga, which are the Kurds, fight them. Uh, the Turks don't like them. The other Iraqis don't like them. The other Syrians don't like them. Nobody likes them. But they're awesome fighters, um, and you know the reason nobody likes them is because they generally sit on fairly nice resources, and they want their own country, and they've always wanted their own country, and they've always believed they should have their own country, and that's been a lot of the problems. That's why Saddam Hussein gassed them. That's why you keep reading about uh, Turkish planes accidentally bombing them, and of course the Turks are kind of saying it's accidental. Uh, the Kurds are saying, no, it's definitely not accidental. Um, and it's all crazy, right? So basically, you have this, this group that's trying to take over the area. You have everyone else who's fighting everyone else and this group trying to take over the area. And the one group that's having real success over the other group that everyone agrees we absolutely have to get rid of is getting attacked by almost everyone else in the area. And then we you know, interject ourselves. And by we, I don't just mean America. I mean the UK, France, all sorts of different um, uh, uh, factions. And, um, you know, it makes it very easy for these people, just like the Archbishop of Canterbury, to say, well, they want to destroy Christianity. They want to destroy the West to sit there and say, well, look at what these people are doing. They want to destroy Islam. They want to destroy the Middle East. They want to destroy us. They want to kill your family. And as the bombs are falling and these people's families are dying, you know, they sit there and say, well, obviously they do, right? And then they have sympathizers or whatever who do stupid things like run into a mall and start shooting or explode themselves in a crowded place uh, you know, a soccer stadium and start shooting in a restaurant and everything. You know, I'm obviously making references to San Bernardino and, and Paris. And, and and they're sitting there and they're saying these things. And, and then, you know, our families are dying and getting killed. And then we have our leaders saying, well, they want to kill the West. They want to kill Christianity. And we're like, well, of course they do. See what's happening? And we don't get that. Both sides are are hearing the same thing obviously against each other and then they're seeing the same thing being perpetrated by each side and the people who don't have that scope that don't step back that don't have that language of 
we are all brothers and sisters. We are all here for a higher purpose to observe, to explore, to adventure, to, to, to learn about the universe in which we live for the brief time that we're here and then to pass that knowledge on and expand that knowledge. The people that don't have that language get very wrapped up in this idea that yes, well the other side's out to kill me and it's either one or the other, it's us or them because they don't have that language and they don't have that understanding and they don't have that 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 um, discerning nature to question and examine and to look at the world and the reality in which we live and in which we create. And um, in that spirit, that's kind of my Christmas message, um, bringing this all together, right? Is that, um, you know, every now and then in human history, we've had these moments where we come very close to really being human. Um, the uh, Christmas Armistice of 1914, it wasn't all across the Western Front, but um, this is obviously World War I, but most of the Western Front for days was silent. People went out and fraternized with the other side and they started learning these people aren't any different from me. They actually started learning because they started talking to each other in a common language. And I mean, yes, it was a common physical language, but at the same time, they were sitting and they were learning, well, our leader said this about you, your leader said this about us, and they started realizing, and they started playing uh, football together, not American football, they started playing football together, they started trading presents and things like that. Um, over the next year, when they finally did get them fighting again, over the next year, uh, you know, a lot of the leaders made sure that things soured more. But there were still, during Christmas, small bands of people doing, you know, even prisoner exchanges and things like that. Uh, then they introduced chemical warfare. The, a lot more enmity was um, introduced because of that. Things, you know, uh, uh, digressed into less civil, and by the end of the war, it was pretty much completely uncivil through the whole thing. Um, but there was a moment there in 1914 where things almost actually got back to being sane and being human. And that's because people started speaking the same language. And they started learning for a brief moment that both sides used the same propaganda to further their cause. And the cause has always been, uh, no matter how just the war seems, and I get that horrible things have been stopped by participating in war. Um, and so it looks like, okay, there's perfect justification for it. But the fact is, in the end, it's always been about resources and about wealth and leaders just use different things right and they'll kill whoever they have to kill 
to make it happen. And it's horrible, right? But we do. We, we come around every now and then, and we have these moments where we come very close to getting it and to being human and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it... it, it I worry that it'll never really happen, but I hope, and that's why I talk about these things and I try and share them, and particularly around Christmas, and around Christmas and all the Christmas-like holidays that they have throughout the world, uh, where, you know, people are taught to look back on what's, you know, the real gifts that they get. It's not the gifts that are under the tree, you know, those are, those are more symbolic gestures of, you know, the people that love you and the love that you have for other people, right? Uh, and you're supposed to reflect on those gifts and not really like the new PlayStation or whatever. Uh, but my nose is really itchy tonight. I'm sorry. Um, but that's the thing, right? Uh, you should look at those gifts that you're given and uh, you know, share them with your fellow human beings, right? That's the whole point of Christmas, right? And that is the point of things like Hanukkah and Diwali and all these other holidays that people celebrate all over the world. And, um, you know, people always talk, well, we need to have that spirit year-round. And we do, and that's the whole thing. We need to expand that out and bring in that common language of brotherhood, sisterhood, of our, you know, common evolutionary family and, um, you know, get to that point where we're not concerned about, you know, phony man-made borders and start realizing we have this whole universe our job is here to observe that universe, not just the world that we live upon, but the solar system that we are a part of, uh, that we live inside of in concert with, um, and the galaxy that surrounds that, and the cluster that surrounds that, the super cluster that surrounds that, and whatever other mega structures are out there. And these things are structures. Um, they're structured in a way to keep everything, uh, you know, moving and to allow for these things to happen. Why did it get that way? Uh, you know, we're not 100% sure yet. We're not sure why matter won, why the certain rules won the way that they won. We don't know because we haven't explored that far yet because exploring that far takes a lot more energy than we have. Um, currently available to us and I, I mean physical energy I mean you know power um, exploring these things takes a tremendous amount of power which under our current system takes a tremendous amount of wealth and that's the problem that's why the system one of the main reasons the system needs to change the system actually inhibits us from reaching our potential from achieving the things that we are here to do, to explore, to have an adventure, to record, to report our findings, um, to, you know, determine the universe.
right? We don't get to decide how it comes together, but we get to observe how it comes together. And we get to figure out how it got there and the processes that took it from where it was to where it is to where it's going. Um, you know, and, and we can find these things out and we can find all these patterns and figure it out. But we can't do it without the resources. And the way that we divide up resources now stops us from doing it. Because to get those resources requires wealth and, you know, we've actually created a system that in order to create the things we need to do the proper exploration that we need to do, we actually can't afford it. Literally, I just banged my chair into my desk and made that thump. Literally, we don't have enough money to get the resources together to create the power that we require and we know we, we have, uh, you know, because we have sound physical theory that instructs us how to do these things. There's the AccuBear drive and things like that, that we cannot explore simply because we don't have enough of our own money that we created, that we made up. We made this up and it inhibits us from expanding our knowledge of the universe. The one thing that we are definitely here to do, expand our knowledge of the universe, we can't do because we ourselves created a system that stops us from doing it. I, I cannot, and I've actually lost sleep over this idea. There have been nights where I've tossed and turned in bed because how do you do that? How are you so short-sighted that you stop yourself from your one true purpose? So, and I realize the answer to that is uh, we need to start all speaking the same language and we all need to start coming to that realization. And I can't tell you all that because there's a bunch of you who will sit there and hear what I just said and be like, what is this lunatic talking about, right? But if you have that same language, if you look at things the way I'm trying to explain them, I don't know if I'm doing that good of a job at it, but the way I'm trying to explain them, then uh, if, if you see them, you'd be like, oh, okay, I get it now. But hopefully uh, everyone someday comes to that realization and then we can start, you know, really looking forward to some really awesome advancements. So, um, you know, I will get one more show in uh, by, uh, well, technically speaking, yeah, New Year's Day. Well, I'll get one more show in by the end of the year. So, uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you've enjoyed this somewhat serious um, uh, nativity talk about, uh, you know, things and the way I've been thinking about things and trying to bring everything that I've said over 28 episodes together in a way that makes a little bit more sense overall. And sorry for my nose itching and that I've been scratching at it the whole time. I can't help it. Um, so, I still haven't seen Star Wars. Everyone keeps telling me to see it. 
I guess eventually I'm going to have to break down and, and take a look. Maybe I'll go to a matinee or something. But other than that, if you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. Uh, get them to uh, like GilcanRun uh, Gil on the Facebooks. Go to GilcanRun, uh, participate, talk, you know, amongst yourselves, throw questions my way, throw statements my way, whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, participate. Um, as I said, I hope that, like, you know, once again, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to live. I'm just saying these are the things that I've realized that I've come to see. And I'm trying to, 